Welcome to the Wonder Women series of the Maker Mom podcast. I am your host, Katie Freeman, and every week I bring you interviews of two female or non-binary makers of all kinds. Some of them are parents, some of them are not. This week's Wonder Women guest is Annette of 513 Woodworks in Cincinnati. Now, I'm a fairly recent new follower to Annette, but once I found her account, I knew for sure that I wanted to follow along. She has so many tools, and she will talk to that, Um, and she's just super fun, and I think you will enjoy this interview, learning about, you know, her journey into getting into making and how she continues to push herself to learn new things. But before we hop into the interview with Annette, I want to give a big shout out and thank you to the patrons over on Patreon. Uh, This week we have a new patron, so thank you so much, Kevin of Lefty's Woodshop, Christy Twisted Twine, Christina B, Jeremy Spies, Sammy Go Sammy Lee, Lauren Rasp File Designs, Sven Dwarf Size Workshop, Rachel Moody Makes, Bonnie Toolmom Bonnie, ToolmomStore.com, Laura Oakley Soap Company, Mary Lou Made by Mary Lou, Amy Bison Valley Carving, Dan and Kelly Reclaim Living Store, Brandy Studio Obey, Kathy One Girl and Her Tools, Ellen Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you all so very much for your continued and ongoing support, helping me to produce two episodes a week every week. And with no further ado, here is Annette with 513 Woodworks. Okay. Uh, I always have my guests introduce themselves though. So uh, when you're ready, just uh, tell us who you are. Okay. Um, Sure. Uh, I am Annette. I am the maker, I guess, behind 513 Woodworks on Instagram. I live in Cincinnati, Ohio. My profession, I'm an engineer. I work for a consumer goods company um, here in Cincinnati. Um, Let's see, originally from Nigeria. I was born and raised in Nigeria and I've lived um, in Nigeria and the US and in Brazil for a few years. So I very much consider myself a citizen of the world. Um, Let's see, what else? Uh, I obviously like to make stuff, um, all (laughs) different media. I, I love making, I love learning, I love buying tools. I think maybe as much as actually making things. <laughs> so the, this woodworking has become kind of this perfect intersection of all those things that I love. Um, prior to this past year, I did love traveling. That was probably my primary hobby, um, but obviously that's taken a bit of a backseat with everything that's happening right now, so. Yeah. So first question I want to ask is, what is the significance of 513? 
I wish I had this great story for you, but it's really not very original at all. The area code in Cincinnati is 513. Um, so I <laughs> nice. But I so I have a personal Instagram account. And so for the mm -hmm. longest time when I'd make things, I'd just share the finished product with my friends. But then I wanted to sort of share the during process as well. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think a lot of my friends would probably appreciate all that stuff on their on their feeds. So I thought well, I'll create a separate Instagram just for my making so I can share like more during the project mm -hmm. stuff. And um, I literally picked up my phone one day early last year and the first thing that popped in my mind was 513 Woodworks. And so 513 Woodworks. There you go. There <laughs> if I ever go. move from Cincinnati, I might have to change my name. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but for now, 513. It, it works, you know, it works. I was just, yeah, I was just curious because uh, when I found your account, I was like, what's, what's 513? I have no, I have no idea. I should probably <laughs> add like just a sentence in my profile that says 513 is the area code of Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> or just leave it and just, let just people leave think it. it's this mysterious. That's kind of... right. It, you know, there, there's just something about a mystery about a person, right? Exactly. So, um, all right, exactly. well. So, okay, so you were born and grew up in Nigeria, you said. Correct. Um, what, what were you interested in as a kid? <laughs> um, school. <laughs> so I actually, I grew up going to boarding school, um, actually. So we had really very structured um, days, really. Mm -hmm. So uh Extracurricular activities were, for me anyway, were just hanging out with friends. Um, we would do different things like kind of marching um, band or some people did music or sports. Neither of those were really my thing. So I just kind of, I guess, read books. I really don't remember. It's, so, it's been so long ago like that I, I couldn't tell you what I enjoyed as a kid. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> to be honest. I know I, I was in school. I went to school. I hung out with my friends. Um, that was it. <laughs> uh, now, when I think, when I hear boarding school, I think of like what just I've seen on, honestly seen on television as far mm -hmm. as like, what does that mean? So I have to, did like, did you live on school premises? Yep, exactly. Okay. Okay. Live in, in dorms in school premises. It's very much like a college dorm experience, but just mm -hmm. obviously a much younger uh, demographic. So, did you do that like elementary uh, all the way through? Uh, let's see. I did that from I think I was probably eight or nine to thirteen. So about five or six years there, where um, I was in boarding school. Yeah. Wow. That that's just such an I mean, as somebody who is a mom of a kid who is, you know, close to yeah. eight, yeah. I can't imagine like him not being at home. Not being at home. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. A, it's a very different concept for sure. But it's, it's really the norm um, where I grew up anyway. Really? It was, it was actually a to be able to attend one, a good school, but then mm -hmm. the boarding school experience, the idea is you have more ability to focus kind of on your education um, versus the distractions of, I guess, non-school <laughs> work. Um, but no, it, it was the norm where I grew up. It was like, I didn't realize not everybody else in the world went to boarding school until, yeah. I, <laughs> until I came to the US, so.
Today's sponsor is Rasp and File Designs. Rasp and File was created to give new life to old things and create spaces that feel timeless, unique, and warm. Your home and business should be your sanctuary, a place of solace, and your personal piece of art. The owner and woodworker behind Rasp and File Designs is Lauren Matthews. And you can follow along and find out more information on Instagram. Just look up Rasp Filed Designs or on the internet at rfdesigns.squarespace.com. So I, I have to ask, like, if you talk about that with friends in the U.S., do they have similar reactions that I Very. just did? They, they, think, they think it's just the most bizarre thing in the world. And, oh my God, you poor thing! We had a blast. Like we, it, it, oh, we I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, when you, especially when you said very similar to a college experience, I think, oh my God, if I have freedom like that from my <laughs> well, okay, so we did have like. Um, staff that would right. measure it wasn't yeah. all fun and yes. games but yes. it, it really was a good time I, I uh <laughs> it's it's hard to explain it to someone who doesn't understand kind of that that's the that was the norm growing up right and that's just kind of what everybody did I would imagine though <laughs> then your friend set though very much becomes family exactly yeah exactly. Exactly. so does that I mean more likelihood of or maybe the, I don't know, but like, are they lifelong friends forever then? Um, very much so. I think so. When I moved to the U.S. when I was about, I think, 12 or 13 um, and lost touch for with a, for over for a few years there with some friends um, back in Nigeria. I think Internet was just kind of starting and we didn't have email addresses mm -hmm. and things and you just kind of yeah. lose touch. And the friends that I have been able to reconnect with, it's, you know, you almost pick up like it was yesterday, you know, and recalling experiences. And mm -hmm. it's just, it's so, it's such a, one, it's a very formative time in your life that eight to 13 mm -hmm. kind of year old, but then to do that surrounded by these people, they have to become your family, right? Otherwise, right. Right. otherwise that's really sad. <laughs> but, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't, so... Um, so, so yeah. I mean, did it stop at 13 then? Because you, I think you just said you guys moved to the moved, U.S. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. What brought you to the States? My, my parents, I was 13. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I guess what brought them to the States? <laughs> um, we had other family here. Um, okay. Just moved here as well. I gotcha. So, Didn't know if it was following work or yeah, anything no, like that. Okay. No, family relationships. Yep. Okay. All right. Um, so you mentioned in your intro, you're an engineer. So I would I assume that you went to college for that. I did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of engineer are you? Uh, my degree is in chemical engineering. Wow. Um, and I actually went to University of Texas at Austin, hook em horns. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, studied chemical engineering. I, uh, at one point when I was a kid, I thought I would, I would be a doctor growing up because that's there's a joke about African parents, you're a doctor, a lawyer, or a disgrace. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, well, I mean, I think that's also children of immigrants in general, right? Like you come to the U.S. and it's like you're, you had to be a doctor or a lawyer or something. Yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> but um, when I when I came to, I was in high school um, in Atlanta at the time, and I really got involved in a number of different STEM programs. Um, and I, I realized I, I like I like math and science. I could have gone the medical route, but there was just something really interesting about engineering um, to me. And I honestly was personally not looking forward to the idea of years and years of schooling and residency. And <laughs> if I did, I didn't have that passion for medicine that yeah. way to yeah. be willing to invest that time. If I did, maybe I would have pursued it, but mm -hmm. I just didn't. And so engineering seemed the next logical route. Um, does that does that make you fall into the disgrace category if you were <laughs> a doctor or a lawyer? <laughs> no, or maybe not anymore. Um, no, no, it, it doesn't. I think it's and I think it's one of those things where nobody else in my family had been an engineer before I decided mm -hmm. to study engineering. So it's just, you know, nobody, nobody, nobody knew what it was. But now that, you know, I've been I graduated from college, what, 15 years ago now, and um, made a good career out of it. And so it's okay, mm -hmm. that's actually a good um, degree. One of my younger sisters decided to study study engineering as well. Um, so no, no, I think the, the, the saying has been modified, maybe doctor, <laughs> lawyer, engineer, or disgrace. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and then, so your job job now, um, are you still, are you practicing chemical engineering specifically no, or um doing more of what i call like engineering management project management is probably more what i do okay now all right um when i totally just lost my train of thought uh, <laughs> apologize <laughs> to me all the time <laughs> apologize it is a friday my mind is <laughs> Uh, all right, so what about uh, chemistry appeal to you? Um, good question. <laughs> <laughs> so honestly, th thinking back on it, um, if I had to do it all over again, I probably would have become a mechanical engineer. Um, at the time, I was, I'm the type of person who has a plan and then has a backup plan. And I, when I decided to go down the path of engineering, I think in the back of my mind, I still had this, oh, maybe I do sort of want to be a doctor or not. Mm. And chemical engineering just seemed kind of to help me delay that decision for four more <laughs> years so that I would have enough of the chemistry and biological sciences classes in undergrad that if I, for some reason, decided to punish myself and go to, you know, take the MCAS and go to med school yeah. afterwards, there was still kind of a logical path to go there. Um, I don't know that it was chemistry itself that I liked. It was just, mm -hmm. it seemed the most, the most flexible. And as I talked to um, mentors and people who were working in the industry, it just seemed like one of the more flexible degrees that really let you go into many different fields mm -hmm. um, versus something like, say, civil, for example, that's just very specific. Right. So that's right. why I chose chemical engineering. Do you get to, I mean, I think you said, so like you're in, uh, I believe you said some kind, like a product design type of company or would you? A, a consumer product. A, a consumer yeah. product company. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so did, have you gotten to interact at all with more of the, you're not a degreed mechanical engineer, but have you been able to do touch on any of that? Or is that where like woodworking kind of, fills that <laughs> no no absolutely I think a lot of um 
I mean, the, the work we do is definitely technical. Um, mm -hmm. In my current role, for example, um, I work with our R&D counterparts to look at how do we bring kind of new product ideas to life in manufacturing scale, mm -hmm. um, work with our manufacturing plants, um, build new manufacturing plants um, and install equipment there. So very much um, very probably more mechanical work than yeah. chemical yeah. Uh, for sure. Okay. All right. Um, so you said before the pandemic, traveling was really kind of your hobby. Does that mean, does that mean you never did woodworking before the pandemic? No, 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 no. I, I did both. Um, but woodworking was back then more kind of what I did when I didn't have anywhere else to be versus now I actively choose to stay home and do woodworking instead of going somewhere kind mm -hmm. of thing. So. Okay, so when and how did woodworking get started for you? Um, so let's see, I, when I, in Cincinnati, I bought my house here in 2016, I think, in the spring of 2016. Um, and I, I wanted a garden in the back and the soil in this, the part of Cincinnati where I live is clay essentially. Um, and so I was reading up on gardening and that was going to be like my primary hobby. It is a hobby, but it's definitely mm -hmm. not the primary anymore. Um, and, you know, I read this idea of raised beds and I thought, okay, to, to, to be better able to control the soil conditions and get better yields, I'm going to do raised beds in the back. And I wanted mm -hmm. to put in just a handful of small raised beds. And so I went online and um, looked up the prices of some of these like kits in a box that you assemble. And I thought that's absurd. <laughs> if I had some wood and some screws, I, I could probably do that myself. Um, so then that I, I went on and searched like probably how to build a raised bed or something. Mm -hmm. um, and I figured out I needed a miter saw and a drill essentially, um, or I didn't even need the miter saw. I just, at right. that point, I just wanted it. And so <laughs> um, I went to Home Depot, picked up a Ryobi miter saw, picked up some lumber um, and uh, one of those combo sets that has mm -hmm. like an impact driver and a drill and other things. And I came and I made four or five um, raised beds in the back started my garden, the tools kind of stayed in the garage for a month or so. And then I, you know, I looked at it the next day and I thought, well, I've got this nice kind of garden that started now. There's an area next to it. It'd be nice to have like maybe some chairs and a fire pit. But then I thought I could build the chairs. <laughs> and so I went online and looked up how to build like outdoor chairs. And I think I came across Anna White's page with all the plans. Um, and then it just kind of snowballed from there. <laughs> Do you still like, I guess, first question is, do you still primarily work from plans when you're doing woodworking, like already pre-designed plans or your, um... Um, a mix of both. So it, when I do work from plans, I'm normally modifying something like very mm -hmm. rarely will I say, OK, this is the plan and that's it, unless it's something very specific. Um, but yes, I'm very much a fan of if someone else has figured out how to do this before, there's no need for me to reinvent it. <laughs> <laughs> They're smarter, more talented people than myself doing this. And so if there's a good, obviously without um, copying anyone's intellectual mm -hmm. property or anything like that, if it's available out there, then I will shamelessly reapply um, what's been done before. Do you feel like you're drawn to plans? I mean, engineers, you know, I, I totally fall into that category too a lot of times. <laughs> like, 
yeah, there's a plan out there. Just get the plan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> get the plan, review the plan, make sure it's a good one, follow it. If it is, right. if not, make some tweaks and move on. Yeah, I, I probably am drawn more to something more. So like, you know, every so often I come across someone's Instagram account and they talk about, oh, you know, I was thinking about this very fluid concept and I decided to make this, mm-hmm. that, that's not me at all. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's not who I am. The thought would never cross my mind. Um, <laughs> I have lists of things I want to do. I've got probably references of, okay, what's a good example of each mm-hmm. of those things so that when I'm ready to tackle it, I go kind of research, do what's out there and then go build it. What about when there's something on that list that you can't find a plan for? There hasn't been anything like that yet. Maybe I'm just not that original in the things <laughs> I want to do. <laughs> But so far, everything I've wanted to do has already been done, and that's okay with me. <laughs> well, I think, but even things like, um, I don't know, that probably a good example nowadays would be like a desk, right? There, there's tons of desk plans out there, but not necessarily one that will 100% off out of the, like straight from downloading it, you know, yeah. fits your needs and stuff. Um so how often are you tweaking? It's safe to say I'm tweaking 100% of the time at this point. I think when I first started, um, I was probably more, uh, okay, the plan said cut it to 33 and a half, and that's exactly what I'm going to cut it to. Um, I think I've, I've built enough know-how now that I can look at a plan, look at the dimensions of something, look at even the material choices and say, no, that's not going to work. I'm going to do this instead, make the right adjustments to what else that impacts, and then Mm -hmm. uh, build off of that, I'll call it modified or improved plan. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, very rarely do I kind of take something as is now and um, build it exactly. The exception to that being... um, one of the last one of the projects I worked on last year was a project I did actually at a class um, at a woodworking school near me was building a Morris chair. Mm. Um, and that had a specific set of plans that the instructor of the class was um, someone from I think it was Wood magazine um, and had very detailed plans. And I said, you know what, this is probably the most complex thing I've built so far. We're just going to follow the plan. Yeah. Um, you know, to be honest, um, besides very small children's chairs for my kids I have not ever built a chair including all the components of it I've built like bar stools but like I bought the metal bases you know I didn't like create the bases myself yeah and and chairs I've everybody says chairs are the most difficult um so I think smart move following the plan exactly <laughs> on, on that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, and yeah. it turned out great. Um, it's, it's a well-designed chair. So I, I think it would have been um, silly of me to presume like I, I could tweak something, especially and with the chair, there's this whole like, not physiological, what's the word I'm looking for? There's a whole like science to building chairs and making them comfortable that I don't know enough about. And so the Mm -hmm. last thing I'd want to do is change something and make it like an uncomfortable chair. So, so, I mean, when you're researching like a project you have on your list to do, just to that point, like about the chair and, you know, there's science behind it, not knowing enough, but like anything else, like, do you get into the whys behind something? Um, 
some sometimes most of the time honestly no um mm-hmm. i in a way i want woodworking and my making to be an escape from the why that i have to get into mm-hmm. all the time at work um and so there's something just about taking a plan make a, a few tweaks here and there and then just go do it like i don't want mm-hmm. i don't want to know you know one of the things i've gotten into in the past year as well is like cnc mm-hmm. and i was talking to a coworker of mine and oh the cnc you have know, got this machine and i did a few test carves and whatnot and um he had just all these questions and you know wanted to know why this and why that i'm like i don't really care i assembled it it works <laughs> I assemble it and it works. I don't want to know why in Vectric, you know, when you create a tool path, it does this and it moves that way. And I, mm-hmm. I, I don't care. <laughs> I, I don't want to care, I should say. Right. Like part of the fun of it is not caring and you have a machine that works. <laughs> hey, makers. I want to tell you a little bit about today's episode's sponsor, Athena Outfitters. So when I'm in the market for a new pair of work boots, I do a ton of research, make sure I'm getting something that's going to fit right and going to last. Well, Athena Outfitters is a quality workwear brand for hardworking women that has a tons of experience with footwear. They've taken the time to select the very best shoes and boots made by each of the most reliable footwear brands and when i shop at athena outfitters site it saves me time and energy because i trust that they found the best shoes for every job and activity plus bonus you can shop online so next time you need new work boots or some other type of high performance shoe check out athenaoutfitters.com gear with grit And Athena is A-T-H-E-N-A and then Outfitters.com. You can also get a special discount at checkout by using the coupon code MM, that's capital M, capital M15 for 15% off any purchase just because you're a listener of the podcast. All right, let's hop back into the episode. So, I get it, no, I, get it. I, I, I try not to question the why unless there's something about it that, that maybe I need to change or won't work for what I'm trying to accomplish. Otherwise, mm-hmm. if it's been tested and done, it's good enough for me. <laughs> I, I hear that. And I, th- I definitely fall into that category when it comes to, uh, what do I want to say, like more what I think of like utilitarian type exactly. needs. Exactly. Um, like, like what uh, my wife and I built our kids. Uh, we, we built them big Christmas presents this year and I had no desire of designing them from the ground up, you know? So I, I too, I was like, all right, Anna White, what do you got for me that falls <laughs> into this category? Um, now I did tweak it. I absolutely did tweak it um, because it wasn't exactly, you know, what I wanted, Um, but it was close enough, you know, and it laid it out well enough that it's like, okay, these minor tweaks aren't going to throw it all off, aren't going to make it confusing for, I knew this was something I was going to work on with my wife specifically, Mm -hmm. and she's got a technical aptitude as well, but she has never really 
Like, this is not her thing. What I do is not her thing. And so I was like, okay, this has to be something that like, she feels comfortable and confident, you know, and reading through and stuff. So it, it worked mm-hmm. out really well. But then obviously, um, as you know, because like you follow my account, like I also very much have an artistic side and the stuff yeah. that I do like on my own, the utility factor of it is like the last thing I even consider. Like, <laughs> it's like, I want it to look good. Oh, and I guess it needs to function as something like, <laughs> you know, um, but I've often thought about uh, plans for some of the stuff I make. And I'm like, I just couldn't. Like there's not, when I'm doing like freeform stuff, there's just, I'm like, I can model it up. I could model up, but I'm like, why? Why would I model it up when it's not going to do any good unless I guess for a client or something? Yeah. Um, Do you primarily, I mean, primarily, are you making things just for yourself, for your own home? Um, for myself, uh, a lot of gifts for friends. Um, I, I, it's a hobby for me, not a business. So mm-hmm. it's very much like projects, either things I need. Sometimes it's just something I want to make, but I have a friend in mind or a family member in mind who I think would love it or would be able mm-hmm. to use it. And so I, I make it for myself and then I gift it to them kind of thing. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, so it, it's it's that's definitely a, a blessing, I think, in my case, because I I have a lot of respect for the people who do this for a living. Um, and honestly, I don't know that I could. I think it would be a very different different thing if I was trying to, if I was depending on this for, you know, mm-hmm. for, for a living. And I think that just adds a stress factor that I don't have today, which right. I think helps my enjoyment of it. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see if, if that added stress of, oh, I need to make a living from this was part of my experience with making if I would enjoy it as much. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, it definitely adds a whole level of. <laughs> exactly. It depends on, you know, what, uh, what things excite you. Like until I started my own business, I would never have told you that business, like the actual running of a business, mm-hmm. I find exciting. I never would have known that <laughs> without without doing it, you know, yeah. uh, and it's, it's the excitement of the chase of like, well, can I make it successful? successful. I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, in my mind, someday in the distant future, uh, maybe when I retire from my actual profession, um, I would consider maybe setting up a, a side business or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually have an MBA and took several business classes to do that. And while they're interesting, I, um, it just, I don't know, it, it's, it's a lot of stress, I think. And it's just that I, <sighs> I would, I would probably, if I were to do a business and start a business around woodworking, I feel like there would be kind of a, a business aspect to it. And then mm-hmm. I would keep the stuff I do for fun separate. So maybe oh, it's yeah. like invest in some production scale machine that I know can reliably crank out things. So kind of a, a base and then, oh, I do these other fun, maybe more elaborate things. You know, mm-hmm. I made a couple of boxes over the past week and I worked on it kind of leisurely over the course of three weeks. And then I thought about there are people who make and sell these boxes like for clients, take Mm -hmm. custom designs. And I think if it took me three weeks to turn that out, if I had to like bill someone for the time, (laughs) that's an unaffordable box, right? (laughs) 
So I think then it, it, it for me, I'd have to focus more on efficiency and throughput and workflow and like I, I get enough of that at work right now. Yeah. And I don't want to do that. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean that I totally, that I totally get, but yeah, it's funny. You said that about like just figuring out, you know, it's an unaffordable box, right? <laughs> like um, when the very first woodworking class I took uh, at a community college, um, everybody made the same thing as in everybody had to make a clock. You had to choose from like one of three designs. Uh-huh. Uh, you were allowed to tweak it you know, but not by like a lot, but you were allowed to tweak it. Um, and, and so I made a wall clock and then like for extra credit, you know, you could do like a, um, a scenario because people in this class, some of us were like entertaining the thought of like, could this be a business someday? And so, you know, our, our teacher was like, all right, I want you to like figure out how much you would have to sell this for to cover all of your expenses, including your, <laughs> including your time. And I think, I think I even figured my time as like half of minimum wage. Like I was like <laughs> barely paying myself and it still was like a thousand dollar clock. And I'm like, nobody is going to buy this clock. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Uh, but it was so, a yeah. good lesson. You know, yeah, it is a lesson to figure it out. Is. Um, so then I guess I want to ask, like, there's not a business aspect to it. No. What's the, why share it on Instagram? Like why create a new account? Why? Account, yeah. Um, so that honestly, I think this whole pandemic the past year is probably responsible for, um, for how active I've become with that Instagram account. And because when I, when I first started, when I created the account, what was it, January of last year, I basically said, okay, I'm just going to post stuff here occasionally, um, just so I'm not like boring people on my personal feed with the stuff. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think much about it. I kind of followed a few people that I'd kind of seen, um, like when I looked when I looked up things before I'd seen their work and I thought their accounts were cool. Then I had like people start following me, like based on the things I was posting. And I thought, no, oh, this is nice. And then I had like the community, like everyone talks about how welcoming and how mm-hmm. great it is, but it's really, it, it sounds cliche, but it's really not. Like I, I was a bit overwhelmed at first by just how welcoming people were and how supporting they were and how helpful they were. Um, and, you know, some of the people who reached out to me when I first started are probably the reason why I stuck around because you almost form these virtual um, at first acquaintances that for some, with some people blossom into actual friendships. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, and then when the pandemic started and like this was sort of mid-March, um, things kind of shut down here. We're supposed to shelter in place. And so like, I, I, I live alone. And so in my case here, yes, I could connect virtually with family. There were a few mm-hmm. friends and neighbors that were part of my kind of circle. Um, and then working remotely all day, my escape became go to the garage and so but then go to the garage meant make things make things meant more stuff to post and so I just started posting more I think it's very safe to say if this had if last year had been a normal year with the normal work and travel 
I, <laughs> this, this would have been, you know, way scaled back and a fraction right. of probably what I've done. But so just having the pandemic made this kind of an outlet. And the more I did, the more I got out of it. And so it just kind of, oh, made me want to do more um, and just led to the growth and connecting with people. Um, and at this point, like it's it's fun, you know, and so I, I just keep doing it. <laughs> As, I was going to ask, has it <clears throat> has connecting in with the community grown your passion for the hobby? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's so many people out there doing so many cool things. And, um, you know, every time I pick up my phone and I'm scrolling through and looking, I'm, you know, saving this and commenting on that. And it's just, it's, you see so many things and get so many ideas for new things and new possibilities that it's just, sometimes it's overwhelming and I have to like put the phone down and walk away. Because <laughs> it's like idea overload and all these amazing projects and amazing things happening and then don't get me started on the giveaways. Um, and so it's just, yeah, it definitely, it's grown my passion. It's grown my capability too, I have to say, because it's forced me to try some new things that I hadn't tried before. And I saw someone did and I thought, oh, that's really cool. I bet I could do that. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's definitely um, grown my, my, the skill, um, my interest in it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I have like hundreds of screenshot photos saved on my phone from <laughs> just from like looking at Instagram and like, I don't want to lose that. So I screenshot so, it. <laughs> I used to do the screenshots, but now I just started saving them. So it just stays in the app and it's not like, cause I used to have, and I do still have like a separate, like, Oh, woodworking project ideas yeah, yeah. album in my photos. And then it's like, all right, all these screenshots. And sometimes I, it would be months before I'd go back and look through it. Mm -hmm. But I was like, well, I'm usually an Instagram on a daily basis. So if I save it here, I can always like, okay, if I'm looking for something, go back and refer to it in the saved. And I, and I, def, I do that too. I do save it on the app as well. Um, what has happened though, is because I enjoy helping others out with their engagement numbers. If mm -hmm. I hit if I hit like on your post, I'm also hitting save. Oh, so, uh, <laughs> so then it just becomes, I, I did that for okay. a while and okay. it, and it was like, and it, it, I mean, it's so overwhelmingly overloaded, uh, with all the saves that I'm yeah. like, I had to go to screenshots. Cause I'm like, if I'm willing to screenshot it, that means this is something yeah, that really, like, really. I want to like revisit as like, like an idea or an inspiration type. Yeah. Type okay. That's, I, I like that. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I'm, I, I actually like that concept of helping people drive their engagement numbers by saving. That is not something I had even thought to do. Um, Usually I, right now I save things that, you know, I see and I like, mm -hmm. I want to refer back to, or right. if someone's got a giveaway and they save yep. to enter like yeah. this post, save this post yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So like, and I know in the saved, the collections or whatever, you can sort them. So I have like a miscellaneous and then I have ideas, see, um, but it's I like probably, the idea of, uh, I haven't even gone in there for so long <laughs> because I'm like, oh my God, it's just going to like give me an anxiety oh, attack God. to see like all of that. I didn't even know you could sort it. Maybe I'll, you, you can, maybe I'll revisit that now. But yeah. Um, yeah. Usually I've, I've been making more of a conscious effort to, to just because, you know, this is a, 
like Instagram is part of my business in so many ways, not just like my Freeman furnishings business, but the podcast as a business, like mm-hmm. all of it as a business um, that, and I know so many people are using it for that as well, that it's like, I'm being very intentional, you know, with, with how I use it. And so it's, yes, if I like it, I save it. And if at all possible, if I have the time at the moment, I will comment as well. But it's like, you know, sometimes the comment falls off because I'm like, I'm just waiting uh, in the parking lot to pick up my kids from school. And all I have time for is, yeah. <laughs> is the, is the, the heart button. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Fair enough. That makes sense. No, that's great. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I I want to ask, okay, so you are a uh, Black female engineer. Yes. I would imagine that there's not a lot of you in your field. Yep, definitely still in the minority. <laughs> that's right. Um, I, I will say, you know, the, the company I work for um, does an amazing job with uh, recruiting and retaining diverse talent. So I probably am in this microcosm where, yes, we still have plenty of opportunity, but I at least get to see and interact with um, other minority and female um, engineers um, and people in different technical fields. But yeah, in the industry overall, it's definitely definitely underrepresented, I would say. Um, I would say, now I've seen this increasing, but I would say at least on social media, you're still underrepresented within the maker community as well. Yep, that's that's, that's still the case. <laughs> that is still the case. Um, I, they, there are some amazing um, female makers, uh, make and female makers of color um, yes. that have been blessed to be able to connect with on Instagram. So, and, you know, talented and doing great things. So it's, uh, every time I come across a new one, I'm like, oh, that's great. What's this person doing? And usually I'll follow um, along as well. But um, yeah, it's definitely not uh, the majority. And I think there's still a lot of room to increase the involvement and even just awareness, right? Mm -hmm. And honestly, I, you know, if I rewind five years, and if you told me, hey, your entire garage would be a wood workshop, and you have this Instagram account where you shared woodworking and other making skills, that's it, you, you, you've lost your mind. <laughs> it just wasn't something that was on my radar. Right. And I think what I find is a lot of, it's, well, there's not a lot of information maybe out there and it's not as accessible to people thinking hey you can actually get involved and make Mm -hmm. things and um, build these types of skills and so I I think that's the that's it's it's more about spreading information I I hope accounts like mine um, Mm -hmm. and others uh, other female makers of color help help kind of with that as well right so see what people see what's possible see what people can do Today's episode is brought to you by ToolMomStore.com. ToolMom and company is for all ages, genders. They have what you need for your one-stop tool-related merchandise of gifts and clothing. 
Uh, the products are fun, fashionable, one-of-a-kind. In fact, I have two of the mugs. Uh, one has a circular saw with flames coming off of it. It says, Go Girl. Another one has the definition of a tool chick. Both of them are super awesome, and I have coffee out of them almost every morning. So check out toolmomstore.com or find them on Instagram at toolmombonnie. You can receive an extra 20% off at a checkout by using the code MAKERMOM. That's what, I mean, I had um, a, another uh, woman of color that I had on the podcast, Tammy of um, The Girly Shop Teacher. She had mentioned, I don't know if it was in her interview or a separate conversation we were having about uh, women or women of color, people of color in general, um, being a part of like making or like the trades, you know, uh, beyond that. And, and she just flat out said, I, she didn't think that, you know, people of color even realize like there's opera, like that, that's an an option um um, you know and I would say like I would also say that there's unless you know a a girl grows up in a house uh with parents who make in some way shape or form I would say a lot of women don't necessarily know that either right um like and it's one of those things that's expected almost of men to like just inherently know how to do those things yeah Yeah. (laughs) um but yeah especially since you kind of had I mean I would say you definitely probably had two very different experiences as a child one in Nigeria one here in the states um like what did you have any representation even in your periphery you know (laughs) peripheral at all of of this world um, absolutely not. Um, nobody in my family, immediate or extended that I know of, had any um, such, definitely not as a profession, not as a hobby. Um, so yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's something that, you know, when I first started getting interested in this and I'd share pictures of something I made on Instagram, I think a lot of my family and friends were probably surprised. Um, and it, it, it's, I wish I had known more about it. And I, I, I sometimes think about what could have been if I'd had more exposure mm-hmm. um, to making and even like, I don't want to say art, but mm-hmm. more about making and making things, building things with your hands, et cetera, um, sooner, not necessarily as a child, but even, you know, in my early 20s, late 20s, um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what choices I would have made differently, if any, but um, I, 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 I said just now, five years ago, if you told me, hey, you'd be making all this stuff, I, it wasn't even in my realm of, <laughs> of, of thinking of, of, of what's possible, what, what I would want, want to do, so. Um, do you, do you feel like, <clears throat> I mean, like you said, you're hoping that like accounts like yours and stuff like that can kind of show the show representation or that yep. there's this out thing out there. Do you feel like you've had a personal impact 
in that way, just on your own like social uh, group <laughs> of family and friends? Um, I, I, I hope I have. Um, I don't know. I can't think of an example right now where, oh, someone has gone off and done something. But I definitely know um, I get from friends, from family members, countless, countless texts where, oh, I saw this and I thought of you. And I think you could probably do a better job at this than that person. <laughs> and that's not conversation we were having, you know, three, four or five right. years ago. Um, so I think I've definitely spread maybe more of the awareness of, hey, mm -hmm. there's this female um, Black person who's interested in something that maybe traditionally female, black females um, or other minority females or females in general, um, mm -hmm. we're not necessarily interested in. And um, so I think I've, I've spread some awareness. I don't, I can't think of any example of like, oh, personal impact. I know I've had a few friends who said, oh, I decided to make this thing myself. Or I decided to, you know, redo this room mm -hmm. myself because I thought of you. And I was like, if Annette was here, she would have done it. And so I would do it too. <laughs> so in that way, but I don't, I, I, right now, I honestly can't think of anybody who's like as a sustained hobby said, oh, yeah. I saw Annette do it. And then I went off and do that. So my mm -hmm. my impact Hopefully, as my reach grows, the impact deepens, but I think my mm -hmm. impact right now is still very superficial. Okay. I mean, that's fair, right? <laughs> <laughs> Got to start somewhere. <laughs> Got to start somewhere. So, <clears throat> like, you, you know, you, you said a couple of times now, if someone had told you this five years ago, you would have said no way. So, with those planter boxes in beyond beyond maybe a little bit of sticker shock of buying the kits and making it yourself. <laughs> like, if this was never in your view as even an option, like how did you personally go from like, just even looking up, like going, I think I can make this myself. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, he, it's, I, Honestly, I don't know. So one of one thing I always say when people go, what's my hobby? Um, when people used to ask me what, what, what my hobbies were, and I would always, okay, photography, traveling, reading, the things everybody likes. Mm -hmm. um, and then I would always end it with like trying other hobbies is, was kind of a hobby of mine. So mm -hmm. over the years, I've reached and dabbled in more um, <laughs> endeavors than I could count. At the one point, I thought I was going to learn to play the piano. Then I thought I was going to learn to play the guitar. Then I bought a cello and thought I was going to learn to play that. And <laughs> cooking and making jewelry and painting and drawing and you name it, I've probably tried it. Um, and I think those are all interesting things, but there was something, and I, I, I haven't figured out what it is yet, but there's something about woodworking and making that really just resonated with me maybe it was just the right thing trying the right thing at the right time maybe mm -hmm. if I tried it 10 years earlier it wouldn't have stuck and I wouldn't have liked it um but something about it this time just and maybe it was having the space to do it properly and the means to okay I'm mm -hmm. going to go buy these tools and do this and do that and really give it a a, a fair a fair chance um and but I I don't really don't know what it is but something about that particular time, that particular desire to do something on my own just led to this, um, this hobby passion area of mine right now. Okay. 
I mean, yeah. I'm thinking, I mean, because to be fair, I'm thinking a miter saw, a drill, and lumber yeah. <laughs> probably cost you more than what it would have cost. Surprisingly, <laughs> no, honestly, really? it, it did not. It did not. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I went up and I looked, I looked, I looked up the prices of these boxes and the ones, the kits I saw for what I was looking for, which I thought was fairly simple, were like $160 a piece. And I wanted four like small boxes in series. And I thought that's a lot of money. Yeah. The miter saw costs like 150 bucks at Home Depot. And I probably paid another what, 150 or so for this combo kit, whatever mm -hmm. it was, um, Rio B starter kit, and then maybe another 30 or 40 bucks in, in lumber. And that was it. So no, it was, I, I did the math. It was definitely a lot cheaper. <laughs> now, everything you are an I've engineer. Bought, so everything I I've bought in the years since then, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I'll, I'll just, yes, but then I guess you could, again, compare all the things you've built since then right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> I, I think it's safe to say so I mentioned buying tools as one of my hobbies yes. I think that's that's taken on a life of its own <laughs> that's have taken you, on a life of its own recently have you used every single tool absolutely yes. there you go so <laughs> it's worth some it some of it's them once it. and never again but no I have I have and I do try to, if there's something I realize I'm just not using or is not serving my purpose at that time, I'll usually post it on Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist or something and mm -hmm. uh, try to contain the, the clutter and the items collecting dust. <laughs> so, yeah. Nice. So mm -hmm. you mentioned a CNC. Mm -hmm. I have, like, was there a project in mind you bought that for or you just thought that would be really cool to have? <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought that would be really cool to have. Um, so honestly, at, this was at the beginning of the pandemic. I think I bought my first CNC back in like April. And in hindsight, I probably should have been more patient and done a bit more research. But this was my, the world's shutting down. I'm going to need more things to do. So mm -hmm. I'm going to buy this thing. And I, I, I hadn't bought myself a birthday present yet. And I was like, okay, I'm going to justify it. It's like my birthday present slash, you know, pandemic, whatever <laughs> activity. So I, I just, I thought it'd be cool. Um, and, and then obviously once the idea got in my head, it's, it's, it's like, you know, the phone read mm -hmm. my mind and suddenly I'm seeing all these CNC project <laughs> ideas <laughs> popping out from nowhere. Um, and then, so yeah, different things came up of what I could make with it. I have friends who, you know, will see something and go, hey, I'd love to do this on your machine and we'll work out a design together and the tool path and they'd come over and like, you know, mm -hmm. watch the machine run. Um, so I definitely, I bought it thinking it was cool. I didn't have a specific project in mind, but once I push that button, then I obviously had a whole list of, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Nice. <laughs> um, uh, anyway. What CNC do you have? Right now, I have the Onefinity um, Woodworker. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so obviously, you said you have friends coming over and using it as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're, so you're, you just need to start renting it out. There's your business right there. <laughs> I should probably consider that but no I have um at least I have the one friend who um is doing a bunch of work on his house and so every time he has an idea for something cool or wants to you know machine or mm -hmm. cut out this piece out of wood and then you know send me a picture and we'll figure out how to you know extract that make it a vector mm -hmm. file and 
different tool paths, et cetera. Um, so no, I'm, I'm not, it's, it's still at the stage where it's fun for me and he's coming with enough different things that I'm like, Ooh, I wonder how I would do that. And so mm-hmm. I, I'm not like charging for my time or for the machine, but, um, it's also, you know, he, you know, brought me a, a tool, a, a Dremel for them and said, Hey, this was on sale. And I saw this and I thought of you. And I just want to thank you for letting me like use your machine as well. So I guess maybe there that's like indirect go. payment. <laughs> I, I didn't, you know, <laughs> it wasn't a requirement for right. sure, <laughs> but it, it's fun for me. It's, you know, it's fun for the person. If it wasn't fun for me, I'd probably say, Hey, <laughs> let's uh, maybe let's put that on the back burner for a while. <laughs> I need I need a friend like you who's like in the same town who has the (laughs) I tell you know a lot of my my closer friends um are really not even into that they're astonished by the fact that I'm into this but they have no interest in um you know making (laughs) things on their own I have one of my one of my best friends um what we do now is, you know, our hangouts, especially in this whole pandemic thing, are in my garage. So, like, I get to be, if I'm, you know, working on something mm-hmm. um, and she's there, we're just talking. And I'm like, hey, do you want to try this? She's like, no, nah, just sit here and talk. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's really unfortunate. A lot of my friends in the immediate area have no interest in taking advantage, um, but then there are a few who do. So, <laughs> yes, awesome. <laughs> Well, Annette, we're actually like at the end of our time yep. together. Uh, <laughs> it did. It did. Uh, but I want to make sure to give you another chance to let people know uh, how they can keep tabs on your perhaps tool addiction and what project <laughs> you have going on right now. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, check out my account on uh, Instagram. It's uh, at 513 Woodworks. Um, and uh, yeah, happy to connect with other makers, other people and uh, continue to grow in this passion of mine. And thank awesome. you, Katie, for the opportunity to do this. This has yeah, been fun. Thanks so much. I wasn't sure what we'd talk about for an hour, but that actually went by very quickly. <laughs> it always does. It always does. <laughs> All right, so again, that was Annette with 513 Woodworks, and I will include the links on how you can follow along with her in the show notes. So that will either be in the description for the episode on whatever podcast app you are listening to this on, or down in the description if you're watching this on YouTube. If you are enjoying the podcast, please make sure you hit that subscribe, like, comment button, head on over to iTunes, leave a five-star review, Uh, All of that helps the algorithms know that not only you enjoy the podcast, but others like you will enjoy it also. And please feel free to also share with a friend about the podcast, help spread the word, Uh, share about your favorite maker that you've now discovered or learned their kind of story behind all of that. Uh, Make sure you follow along um, on Instagram at makermompodcast. And uh, if you tag me, I will reshare it as well. And I love to see those tags and love to hear about what makers you're really connecting with their story on. Uh, Please also check out Patreon uh, to help support the podcast. We're now up to 17 patrons. And once I hit that 25 patron level, that will help uh, allow me to implement some changes to uh, make me more effective and efficient uh, and allow me to be be able to do more interviews. So uh, I really appreciate if you check that out. There are uh, four different tier levels come with different merchandise. Uh, The 
the top tier level allows you to be an official sponsor of the podcast. Um, so that means you get your own little kind of ad spot uh, every episode, every week. All of those spots get you access to additional content. For example, going to have a live episode happening on the 28th of this month, which means if you're a patron, you have access to the link, the Zoom link that I uh, will be using for the interview. So you'll be able to hop on there, listen live while it's happening, and get a chance to ask questions at the end of the interview. So all that cool stuff is happening over at patreon.com forward slash maker mom podcast. So check that out. Um, when I am not making podcasts, you can find me designing and making furniture and other home decor for bold homes at freemanfurnishings.com and at Freeman Furnishings across pretty much all of the social media platforms. I am on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Twitter, all of it, Freeman Furnishings. However, I am active daily on Instagram and TikTok. So if you want to see what I am up to in the moment, that is where you can find me at Freeman Furnishings. All right. Well, it is Wednesday. I hope you are having a good week so far, and I will see you all on Friday. Yeah.